Porn Free Radio, episode 208. Last week, I talked about the idea that pain in our life not transformed is transmitted. It comes from the quote by Richard Rohr. It says, if we don't transform our pain, we will most assuredly transmit it. Now, a lot of you guys connected with that podcast, and I got some emails this week. Uh, I talked to a number of guys in coaching who were like, that really helped them understand one of the things that they're doing in porn, that they're transmitting some of their pain into these porn and porn behaviors. So whether it's anger, whether it's sadness, whether it's fear, it's getting transmitted and it's coming out in this behavior. But the question I got asked several times this week is, Matt, how do we transform our pain? And so on today's show, I'm going to answer the question, how our pain is transformed. All right, let's start the show. Porn Free Radio. Gentlemen, you're listening to me right now. You and I are together. I'm there. I'm in your headphones. I'm in your stereo, your Bluetooth, whatever. We're there together. You know, I'm on the treadmill with you or wherever you are at right now. That's the best part about a podcast. There's a community aspect to it. I'm going to break that down. All right, I'm not going to rap for you today. Don't worry. But I'm amped up. Here's another way to look at it. Man, I love the hook on that song. That's good. What up? This is for motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn. And just even if you and I are in this conversation right now, I'm talking, you're listening to me. We're together. Yo. I'm saying, dude, come on, man. I want you to feel good enough. I want you to feel loved at your core. I want more for you. loved and hey your life doesn't have to be defined by your porn addiction gentlemen we're not alone in this well welcome to porn free radio i'm your host matt Dobshoots. this is the place where motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn come to get hope and take action and i can't wait to dig into this question now because of last week's episode 207 uh, where i said if we don't transform our pain we'll most assuredly transmit it All week long, I've been asked the question, Matt, how do I transform my pain? How do you get to a place? What do you have to do to transform pain? Uh, A lot of you guys are aware of the pain that you're transmitting. You're you're getting sort of the, the, um, you're getting to the root of the problem. You realize, hey, I'm resentful. I'm feeling entitled. I'm angry. I feel anxious or fearful or rejected. I feel sad or bored or underappreciated. So you kind of know where the pain is. You, you know what the pain is and you can see the behavior. You feel this pain and then you're edging or you're going to porn and porn behaviors. And so you can kind of see the beginning 
of the story and, and where it ends up. But the question is, once you are aware of the pain, once you're starting to get in touch with it, what do you do with it? And this is where I'm going to teach you one of the fundamental things of recovery. And it's something you already know, but you're not sure the reason why. Everyone who's listening to this podcast right now is going to know exactly what I'm about to say. You all intuitively know this. It's part of the reason why you searched for this podcast, but you don't know why it's true. And this is why it's true. All right. That was the worst setup ever, but here's what it is. You can't recover alone. How many times have you heard that? You can't do this by yourself. You can't do this by yourself. Recovery needs other people, right? If you've been trying to recover by yourself, you probably haven't gotten too far. Now, we've heard that over and over and over. You've probably heard it on this podcast a hundred times. But why do we need others in recovery? That's the question. And deep down, you might be asking that question. Why do I have to make phone calls? Why do I have to reach out and get help? Why do I have to embarrass myself? Why do I have to need others? Shouldn't the goal of recovery be self-reliance, like getting better? And um, here's where it is. And I, I actually um, went to a source that's kind of an interesting source for this. It's one of the most famous books ever written about relationships. It came out, I think, in the 80s. And it was on Oprah, and it sold a billion copies. I don't know, maybe not a billion copies, millions of copies. And it's a guide for couples who are trying to get healthier in their relationship. Now, I'll tie it together why this is important to us as guys recovering from porn, but let's just, let me dig into what I wanted to share. The book is called Getting the Love You Want. It might even be on your wife's bookshelf. Uh, I'm sure a lot of the guys who listen haven't bought this book themselves, but I'm sure it might be in her library. And it's been so popular for so long, uh, people might have bought it 20 years ago. People might have bought it 15 years ago, 10 years ago. So it's one of these books that's been around for a while. And it's written by Harville Hendricks, Harville Hendricks. And he actually, in the, the third edition, he added his wife as an author, Helen LaKelly Hunt. And uh, I think she actually contributed to the first version of the book. Um, but at the time, they were um, kind of committed to getting his name out there and sort of supporting his work. And so she didn't want to distract from that by having her name on the book. I'm not sure all the details related to that. Um, so they put this book together, um, and it's partly uh, some of the things they learned in their own marriage, that uh, even though they're PhDs and uh, they do work in psychology, they were struggling. And uh, there were some things they had to learn in their own relationship that became the basis of this book. So it actually was written in a partnership, um, an originally published 
uh, under Harville Hendricks's name, and then later he added Helen LaKelly Hunt. Okay, so that's a lot of background for this setup, getting the love you want. So in this book, they are helping couples heal. And they're creating a vision for how couples heal, how they restore relationships. And he says a phrase that is incredibly important to us in this discussion of helping couples heal. So let me read a paragraph. I'm going to read actually a whole paragraph so you can get the context of the quote I'm about to share. All right. So. Uh, in uh, Getting love the, the Love You Want, uh, Harville writes this. One of the reasons that getting the love you want and imago therapy had something to offer these couples is that I too had experienced the frustration of being in a relationship that had not lived up to his potential. So the book is Getting the Love You Want. The therapy uh, philosophy that they created, he and his wife, was called imago therapy. That's Latin for image. Okay, so let me, re- let me continue. Harville writes, One of my main realizations was that the two individuals in a relationship needed to let go of the illusion that they are the center of the universe and learn to see each other as equal partners. There are indeed two people in the relationship. When two individuals surrender their centrality, something unexpected occurs. The relationship itself becomes the center. Once that fundamental shift occurs, they can begin to work with the unconscious purpose of the relationship, not against it. They can begin to accept the fact that being in an intimate love relationship calls forth all the unresolved issues of their childhood and that they can learn to work together to resolve them. Now, here's the power quote. We are born in relationship. We are wounded in relationship. And we can be healed in relationship. Indeed, we cannot fully be healed outside of relationship. That is the idea that resonated with so many couples. So here this therapist is is working with with clients, working with these couples in these strained marriages. And he realizes, and he knows this from his own strained marriage, his own challenging relationship, believe it or not, with his wife who wrote this book, they had a hard time. They were on the brink of divorce, I think 10 years into their marriage. So he realizes this. One of the problems is each person in the relationship are coming to the relationship as individuals who in a way are living like they're the center of the universe. They see the other person as potentially oppositional to them. It's subconscious, but the idea is that we're the center of our own universe. And even though we're in this relationship, it's transactional. We're trying to see what this person's going to get or take from us what we're going to get from them. When you come out of a relationship where you're the center, then that other person is oppositional. And so you're acting as an individual in that case. 
And so he said something unexpected occurs when the two individuals surrender that sense of they're, they're the center of the universe, that the relationship becomes the center. That becomes the thing that they both contribute to. And the purpose that they have now is actually the relationship, working for the relationship, not against it. And in that context, the safe relationship, that's when some of the unresolved issues of childhood, some of the wounds can be healed. And he says, we cannot fully be healed outside of relationship. Why? Because we're born in relationship. We're wounded in relationship. And so therefore healing occurs in relationship. So why can you not recover alone? It's because the pain, the pain that needs to be transformed in your life, the wounds, the things that happened to you growing up, the mistaken beliefs you believed, the rejection, the anger, the resentment, the fear, the sadness, the sense of being powerless, whatever it is, all of those things occurred in relationship. Dad got angry at me. Dad was distant. Mom, you know, dumped all her feelings on me. Or mom was distant. Or I didn't have the connection that I needed. I was bullied in school. These are just examples. These aren't all my, my stuff. These aren't all my wounds. But you get the idea, right? These powerful things that have affected us, the things that get triggered emotionally in us, the anxiety, the fear, rejection, resentment, those all occur in relationship. It, it, it occurs in our connection to others, our belief about others. How many guys right now are listening to this podcast who are living in fear that they'll be found out about their pornography? But you might be that guy right now. You might be going, I'm hiding this because I don't want people to, to know this. Because if they saw this, they might reject me. They would think less of me. See, that's a relational wound. That's relational pain. You're hiding some of your needs. You're hiding even this area that you're struggling with because you're fearful that you'll lose love or respect of people in your life. So you're hiding. I can go on and on. So you might be asking me, Matt, this is about couples healing you know it's about a relationship how does that apply to me you might be single listening to this you might be divorced you might be in a marriage that's functional you know where you love each other where there is connection and you're still struggling with a porn problem so how does this apply to you this idea well let's go back to what the problem is as Hendrix sees it in these broken relationships. Each partner in these struggling relationships is coming in with the illusion that they're the center of the universe. Basically, that everything revolves around them. Now, what is the core 
behavior that we are all listening and engaging with Porn Free Radio about. Why do you listen to Porn Free Radio? This is the podcast for motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn. What do you do when you look at porn? You embrace the illusion that you're the center of the universe. You choose what to click on, what to search for, what to watch, what you like, what you don't like. You have an endless, endless stream of people that you can watch, that you can engage with. And what, what's, the cent, what's the central connection for all those people? You are in the center. You're the one calling the shots. You are the director in this movie. You are the star. You're everything. You're the middle of everything. That is the core of our addiction. I use the word addiction in this case. We're addicted to being the core and center of our universe. That's one of the reasons why porn is such a powerful behavior in our life. So the, the same is true for us. If we want to fully recover, if we want to be healed, we have to let go of that. We have to surrender our centrality. Are you with me here? We have to first surrender our centrality. We have to give up the illusion that we're the center of everything. You know, one of the reasons why it's so hard to recover from porn within a relationship is because it's very easy when your wife catches you looking at porn, when you're struggling, to even in recovery, be the center of everything. I, I've seen this time and time again. Um, I'll have a, um, a partner call me, a wife or uh, you know, a girlfriend, and she's, she's really upset, and with good reason. You know, the guys in her, in, their, in her life or their life have lied, hidden, done some things that just really make them uncomfortable. And I'll ask them this question, what are you doing to heal? How are you getting support? And they'll snap back, wait, I'm not the, I, I'm not the problem here. It's my husband. <laughs> you know, that partner has bought kind of into the lie that it's his problem, right? That they're both individuals and he needs to fix his problem. And in some ways she's rotating around him. She's buying into that illusion. And, and I've seen so many guys who stay in that addict mindset. And so even though maybe they've given up some of the porn and porn behaviors or they're working a plan of recovery, they're still the center of everything. And they wonder why they're not healing. I'll sometimes ask a guy on the phone, you know, or a coaching client, I'll say, what are you, you know, what are you doing to help your wife? What's, what's, how is she experiencing this? 
you know, I've, I've had guys on the, uh, and coaching and I, I've, you know, who've complained about their spouses. The, the spouse isn't supportive enough, doesn't do things the right way or whatever. And I get that. I get that struggle, but is that place where you feel missed or where you feel like your spouse isn't doing enough? Is that coming still out of that mindset that you're the center of the universe? That if, if only my wife was a little more supportive, then I would be able to give up porn. This is the core of all addiction. I don't have, I, I mean, I have my big book by Alcoholics Anonymous in front of me and I, I can't pull this play. I, I'm not sure. Actually, let me look it up real quick. I'll look up the, the passage I was thinking about. Hold on. All right, I found it. It's in chapter five of the big book. This is a great chapter, by the way, if you, if you want to read it at some point. But let me just pull out this one little thing. Uh, he's, uh, it's written and it says this. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. All right, I kind of cut it off there, but you get the idea. We're like the actor on stage of our life, trying to control the show. We're coming at relationships. We're coming at the things in our life from this mindset of we are the center of the universe. But this doesn't serve us. This puts us in the position to blame others when things don't go right, to not take responsibility, to not take ownership, and to avoid the problems. So last week I was talking about, you know, when your pain isn't transformed, it's transmitted. When we're in the role of being the center of the universe, constantly trying to, to organize and script everything for the rest of the people in our lives and the situations, we play the victim sometimes when things don't go right. We overcompensate when things don't go right. We feel entitled. We're still at the center. And so part of our surrender is surrendering that centrality. It's the thing that's kept us stuck. So why would it work in recovery? The addict who continues to be the center of everything in recovery makes himself the most important guy in his men's group, makes his pain the most important thing to talk about, blames his sponsor if his sponsor doesn't call him or his accountability partner, blames his wife if she doesn't respond in a certain way. He stays the addict. He's still invested in being the center of his universe. So again, you might be thinking, well, what does this have to do with me? I'm single, I'm divorced, I'm in a good marriage. How do I heal? This is where relationship comes in. We need to be in safe places where these wounds from our childhood, these things that have shaped us can come forth, can come out. 
And if we're still invested in being the, the center of the show, the star of the show, they can't come out. We don't have room to allow our wounds and our needs to really come to the surface. We need to be in a place where there's give and take, where the purpose is bigger than ourselves. The best recovery groups I've ever been in are where the guys are committed to the group, where the group is the most important thing, not the individual. The worst kind of recovery groups are when you have a bunch of individuals checking in and leaving alone. And there's plenty of groups out there that run like that. You need a place where you start to surrender the idea that you're the center of everything. So you need to be in a place where you surrender that, where there's some other people like you, where you're listening to them and asking questions about their pain. So when we're in these recovery relationships, when we're in powerful groups where people are connected, where the group is more important than the individual, even if we're in a a one-on-one accountability relationship, we're coming to that relationship out of a place of service, out of a place of getting stronger together, not transactional. What do I get out of this relationship? I get this every once in a while. Guys will say, you know, my accountability partner isn't that good. He doesn't do this or he doesn't do that. See, that's a, that's a centrality issue. He might not be that good. But what are you doing to serve him? What are you doing to transform the relationship? Maybe he's not that good because you're not that good. <laughs> you know, you're still very much an individual calling him whenever it's convenient. I see that all the time. I see guys committing to some sort of accountability relationship, but they're not really committed. They pick and choose when they check in. They pick and choose when they call. And a lot of times they call when they don't need help anymore. They don't call when they start feeling the feelings or the pain. They call after the relapse. There's not much an accountability partner can do after you knowingly withdrew, hid your behavior, and acted out for a couple days. What, what are they supposed to say? What are they supposed to do? The place where they can help, the place where they can help you heal and connect and resolve some of these wounds is when you're feeling the feelings. That's when they can affirm you. That's when they can call out the mistaken beliefs. That's when they can reassure you. That's when they can help you come up with tools and strategies. After you binged for a couple days, what are they going to say? See, when you only tell people about what's going on after a relapse, you are still under the illusion that you're the center of the universe, that you call the shots. Now, people sometimes bag on 12-step groups. My, my friend Craig Para, you know, kind of throws them under the bus sometimes. And he hates that idea of being powerless. He, he d- just doesn't like it, right? But what are they talking about? They're talking about surrendering this illusion that we're in control of everything. It's not just about being weak. It's about surrendering this ego that wants to control everything. We got to let go of that in order to get help. And see, he would agree with that. That's the funny part. He gets hung up on the words sometimes. 
But I think everyone who's listening to me right now knows this is true. If you're trying to run the show, control the narrative, be self-reliant, help yourself, you know, be that lone wolf who's going to figure this out, it's not going to work. We cannot be fully healed outside a relationship. We're born in relationship. We're wounded in relationship. And it makes sense that healing comes in relationship. We can't heal relational wounds outside a relationship. I see this all the time with guys, you know, they have a big wound around affirmation or love, feeling lovable, feeling good enough, feeling rejection. What are the habits that they embrace in their plan? What are the first things they put in their plan? Exercise. Does exercise make you feel loved? Maybe it makes you feel competent a little bit or maybe it makes you feel a little better about yourself, a little self-esteem, but does it make you feel accepted, not rejected? What if you needed nurture? What if that was something that you didn't have growing up? Does hitting the gym make you feel nurtured? Come on, do another rep. <laughs> Come on, this will make you this will make you feel nurtured. Come on, man up. You need nurture. <laughs> right? Zero it doesn't make any sense. You can't meet nurture at the gym. And there's a lot of spiritual guys, uh, religious guys who listen to Porn Free Radio. What's the second habit everyone embraces? Some sort of scripture reading, memorization. Scripture's powerful. Understanding truth and sort of encoding it in us, but it's not a hug. It's not healthy touch. It sometimes doesn't make us feel less lonely. So if you're trying to heal outside a relationship, you're trying to just just organize your life with morning routines and strategies. If you have relational wounds, they're not going to get fixed outside of relationship. You got to buy what I'm selling here, guys. For 207 episodes up to this point, there's nothing I've said that contradicts this. If you, you know, like Porn Free Radio, if you've gotten hope here, if anything I've said has resonated, you have to know this is true. This is how pain gets transformed. It gets transformed in relationships. And what do we do when we get into relationships that are going to transform us? We surrender being the center of the universe. We start to focus on the purpose of our recovery group, the purpose of our accountability relationship, the purpose of our marriage. And we start working on that, not against it. Because if we're working on the idea that we're the center of the universe, then that relationship takes away from that idea. That relationship is in opposition to the idea that we're the center of the universe. You can't star in two plays at the same time. The one where you're in a relationship and the other one where you're the star and the director and this, you, know, you can't do it. You can't be the star of your recovery group, of your accountability relationship. Any relationship that you're in, you have to surrender that place where you're trying to be the center. When we do that, and we're in safe places, then that's where some of those unresolved things can come up. The needs, the pain, the wounds. 
That's where they come forth. And we work together to resolve them. We share each other's burdens. I see this all the time in the rev groups that I run. Guys will share something that's really wounded them. And another guy will say, that happened to me. That exact thing happened to me. I thought the same thing about that. That was hard. You know, the most exciting thing I hear when guys check in, I love hearing this. I had a call this week with someone else in the group. That's my favorite thing. That's better than any day's porn free to me, in my mind. That's better than any milestones. So when I see guys connecting, putting others in front of themselves in recovery, caring and listening to others. I've said this before. Every once in a while I'll see guys checking in in a group or sharing a hard story and I see another guy tearing up. And I think that guy tearing up, he's getting it. He's not the focus of the group right now. He's focused on this other guy recovering. The pain of the guy sharing is is being, uh, you know, is being experienced by the guy sitting next to him. And that's powerful to both of them. It's powerful to share our pain and it's powerful to share others' pain. That's, I, I, I know groups are working when I see that happen. All right, guys, this week, take hope and take action. Be good. <laughs>